0: a child with special needs i think of ex- exhausting it's busy it's tiring it's stressful but very rewarding too i think it's just a blessing that i am a mom of a special needs child i think this uh, one of our special moments that um just makes my heart so happy would be Abby greeting uh, people as they walk in. It's been really exciting to see Abby engaging with people and giving this opportunity to serve because that's what it is. When you're greeting, you're at service and Parker Square is going to give others the same opportunity to be engaged and and you know serve people of the church. Some of the opportunities available at Parker Square will include Potentially, uh, space designed for sensory sensitive children like uh, we have. So, having a, a special space and having the room for that space, I think, is going to provide just tremendous opportunities for, for, again, for families like ours. And I'm just thrilled to have a church that's willing to reach out to, to this demographic. It's uh, precious, special, and underserved. Kingdom expectations, what we're talking about today, we've been talking about the kingdom and as we begin this process, a few weeks ago I used a graph uh, that I had many people request that uh, would you show that again, Uh, that kind of helped me understand who we are and what we're doing. You know, our mission is this, it's loving God with all that we are while making more and better followers of Christ and we seek to do this by receiving, equipping, impacting and then sending people out. Now, with that said, I want to show you three um, organizational models used in business and in organizations. Uh, that you sometimes might see. This is the first one. And in this one, you see uh, people have uh, different ideas. They're going different directions and they're not unified by any one thing. Uh, Sometimes organizations can fall into this. It's kind of chaos. And usually a business or organization doesn't last real long once it gets to this point where there's not a unifying mission. Uh, The second model is this. There's a unifying mission, which for us would be loving God with all that we are while making more and better followers of Christ. It's what we're about. It's what God has called us to do. It's taken from the great commandment and the great commission. Uh, to love God and to make disciples. Uh, In it, you see that there are different arrows going different directions because people have different passions. They have different thoughts. Some are creative. uh, Some are not so creative. Uh, Some have passions about one type of ministry and others have another. Sometimes people have ideas about what they think, uh, what they think is best at that moment and others may have a different idea. But at the end of the day, we're all going the same direction. We all have one mission, just different thoughts and ideas and emphasis about how that occurs and how that happens. The third one is this, and this is one direction. Everybody's going the same way. Everybody looks alike. Everybody acts alike. Everybody thinks alike. You give up your personalities and your gifts all to go one direction and this is what usually a cult leader will do, okay? They'll get you to, everybody say the same thing, think the same way, don't question, just go, all right? Maybe we saw Briggs while ago when you were a seal. I'm, I'm sure there were times they had to be exactly, uh, operate in this manner. But as a church, we are really number two. At least I hope we are number two. Uh, people have different passions, different thoughts, different philosophies, dis- different suggestions, and uh, different callings. Uh, and so they 're seeking to work that out, but all under the mission of loving God with all that we are while making more and better followers of christ and sometimes we give up the way that we would do it in order for the gospel to be known and to be known and to be effective and so, as we think about this it 's okay that you have different, you have concerns it 's okay that you have questions it 's okay that you 'd say, "Well, what about this or what about that that 's part of it that 's part of what makes us Rock Point Church. But at the end of the day, we say, you know, that wasn't my idea. Uh, but, you know, if this is where God is leading us, I want to prayerfully support. I, I, need, I may need questions answered. We had a this past Wednesday, we had a Q&A. A lot of people had questions. We'll continue to do that as people has, have questions and want to ask them. Uh, we'll talk on the phone, whatever we need to do. But we believe uh, that God is setting a course, and that's part of the reason that we're here today. So as we talk about this, you may be asking, so why are we doing this again? Uh, is this just for special need families? That's a big piece of it. am not going to lie to you. That's a huge part of it. As God has, we believe, called us uh, to reach family with special needs, to have a place for families with special needs children to come. We have effectively run out of space here uh, but we believe that God has put this emphasis on our heart because we're one of the very few churches uh, in this area, and really even in America, that that provide a minister and a ministry for special needs. And we're, we want to keep those doors wide open. We want to say, come. And it, I'm telling you, there's not a week goes by that someone doesn't contact us and say, I heard your church will take families with special needs children, and I have one, or someone with special needs And I'm coming this week. I'm so excited. I keep seeing this over and over. I keep hearing this over and over. And we say, thank you, God. If there's an area that's underserved that needs to be reached with the gospel, that needs to open their arms, then we will do that. And God has placed that firmly upon our heart. But not just that. Also for our college ministry and college students, you know, it was really neat today. I met a young man. We're going to be moving over to Parker Square in between two colleges. And one of those colleges, NCTC, um, Matt um, Bird, our worship leader, uh, led a young man in the gym to Christ this week. And he was here, and he's going to be baptized. Guess where he goes to school? Right there. God is at work before us. Can I tell you another moment? I mean, these kingdom moments, I wish I had time to share all these. Uh, I'll tell you another one that happened. So um, one of our men, he was here in the last service, his name's Chuck, and he's really soft-spoken, always sits in the back, doesn't say a whole lot, but he's a veteran, and he this week, this last week, <coughs> um, he uh, went to the VA hospital, and uh, he does Uber now. He's retired, and he just does Uber as he wants to, and he said, you know what, well, I'm here, I'll just do an Uber, and so he, he put his information in, and right away, it got dinged, and there was a young man who had just gotten out of the Navy just a, a year or so ago. And he had been at the VA there, and he got in the car with him. And that young man started telling his story and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish. I was raised Jewish, but I'm not really practicing. And he said, I've just had a hard time. I've really struggled since I've gotten out of the Navy. It's been really, really tough, and I'm just making some bad decisions, and I'm afraid I'm going to go back into it. And he goes, he goes hey, I, I want to take you to church Sunday. Would you come by and let me pick you up and take you to church? I want you to meet some people. Well, what Chuck doesn't know is we've got men in Nehemiah that Sunday. Which is a whole big recovery ministry and, uh, from a military style. So Chuck brings him, and this guy goes, You know, he goes, No, I didn't know they're going to be here today. And he hears that, and God really speaks to him. He told me later, he said, I only came because Chuck had, he had been nice to me, and he'd been traveling, taking me around, and not charging me. And so I felt like I owed him something. And so <laughs> he said, So I didn't want to go to church. That's the last place I want to. I'm, I'm Jewish, and I don't even want to go there. I'm, I wouldn't go into church, but I felt like I kind of owed it to him. So fast forward. Uh, it was time change Sunday, right? And uh, I set my clock at home for that so I could effectively get up. I get up, you know, have an extra hour of sleep. I come to church. That's all great. We have the men of Nehemiah here. Then we have a luncheon afterwards. So I'm a part of that. Talk to some people. After I finish talking to that, I start going home, and I look at my watch, and I go, doggone it, man. It's 3 o'clock. It's almost 310, and we've got membership matters. I need to get back up here about 345. I go, shoot, this is kind of a long day. I guess I talked longer than I thought. So I... I Get in my car, and I'm never here at three o'clock on Sunday. Now, I might be here at four and I might be here at two, but I'm not here at three. And there's at least an hour I'm going home on Sunday. And so I'm headed home, and I get there, and my wife says, Where are you going? I said, oh, A few minutes. I got to be back up there. And she goes, Right now. And I go, Yeah, I got to get up there. And so I, I jump back in my car, I come up here, and it's about 10 to four, and nobody's here. And I go, I guess everybody's late. It's four o'clock. There's nobody here. There's nobody for membership matters. My staff's not here. I'm going, what it this has never happened this is terrible no everybody's gone and about that time Chuck walks in with this young man he goes hey uh, uh, I just came up here hoping to find somebody can he talk to you I go sure so we start talking he tells me his story and while we're talking I realize it's not four fifteen; it's 3 <laughs> 15 and I had not changed my watch back and that's what I was looking at so I would never have been here at three o'clock. I had the chance to share the gospel with him, and he's not ready at this point, but as we talked, we talked about Men and Nehemiah, and then I told him, I said, you know what? There's another guy out of the Navy who's come and joined our church, and he's starting something called Regen. Those of you who were here at the beginning of the service, you heard uh, you heard um, Briggs tell the story, and I just thought, that is so cool. He goes, man, I'd love to sit down and talk with him. Isn't it neat how God, through his kingdom, And through his people works, even through a pastor who can't tell time. Uh, So I just I love how God is working and moving, in just a sweet sweet time. You know, Matt read the story of the parables of the uh, of the talents, and the talents was was a lot of money back then. If it was a talent of gold, it would have been close from five hundred thousand to a million dollars. And then two talents and five talents. So as he tells that story, that's a really a remarkable. Um, A remarkable remarkable responsibility uh, that they were given and as they're giving this you know the story uh, the one with five the one with one didn't do anything with it and he goes he has some pretty harsh words to say to him because he didn't do anything with the the money that he was given Uh, the other one made uh, another talent and then the third one made five talents he made he took the five and he turned it into ten he took the opportunity and the master was overjoyed with him and he said well good well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been over some things. I've given you the opportunity over a few things. Now you will have much. It's a great word to be spoken, I think, that, we had always, that we'd all want before the Father in heaven one day. Um, but what's really interesting to me as I as I read that, I was just convicted, and I've always been convicted of this, that, you know, we are not a one-talent church. Now, when we started and we were meeting in the living room with about... 15 people and then we ended up in elementary school with 40 or 50 adults and 40 or 50 children you know we we were probably just one talent we were probably barely a talent then but we had to move and God graciously provided this land uh, when we were still one talent and I just told you part of that story and then God uh, miraculously allowed allowed us to be able to build the the structures that we have here and matter of fact here's the deal sometimes people say, well, I, I just wouldn't, I don't see a need to build a building. I don't need to see the need to get another building. Can I tell you this? If we didn't have this one, you wouldn't be here. I look out and I see two people, the Brock's over here. None of you were here that first year. If we hadn't have built that, you wouldn't have been here. And the truth of is it is, was we couldn't stay there anyway. And then many of you have come since we had this facility. And so you are here and God has enabled us to be a five talent church. I believe with all my heart. And what do I mean five talents? Why would I say that? Well, let me say this. First of all, Our children's ministry is phenomenal. I'm so excited what God is doing through our children, our children's staff. Our special needs ministry is incredible. Our special needs minister is in here right now. I I don't think we could find someone any better. I think of our student ministry that does a good job with discipleship and outreach. I think of our men's and women's studies where we have literally hundreds that are participating in studying scripture. Our adult discipleship, our marriage ministry, our divorce care. There's so many things that God is using, and I haven't even started talking about our great worship and our missions, the missions that God allows us to be a part of. Uh, Brandy has done a fantastic job with local missions. Uh, There's nearly 150 of you every week that are participating in missions on a weekly basis. Uh, Foreign missions through uh, Randy Riggins, and uh, there'll be well over 200 to 300 people that'll go on mission trips out of our church. Um, God has enabled us to send out six families to the mission field. We've been a part of 12 church plants, God has allowed us to be a five-talent church, but I think he wants us to be a 10-talent church with all that he has blessed us with, with the opportunity, with the giftings and the talents that God has given us. I mean, I think about it, I'm sitting here thinking, good night, Lord, you sent us a Navy SEAL to do our region ministry? I'm like, like, who does that? Like, where is that? That is just a gift from God that we don't earn, that we haven't deserved, that God in the economy of his kingdom works in and through his people. And I don't believe he's done yet. And so that's why we're marching forward. That's why we never want to say no to another special needs family. We never want to say we don't have room for children. We never want to say we don't have room for students. And we want to be about impacting that community we're, I'm going to be preaching. Dustin's going to be preaching. We'll always be doing live teaching, and I'm excited about what God is doing. Now, with that, let's look at our text. This is a, this is a text uh, that's based on the one that we read earlier in Matthew 25, and in Matthew 25, uh, Jesus is in Jerusalem at that time, and he's telling what is coming. It's apocalyptic. It's about the future of what's going to be happening. And I always find it interesting that in Matthew 25, he gives the parable of the talents. And then in Matthew 26, there's a very compelling story. The next compelling story that he tells right there is when the woman came and she broke, we think her name was Mary, we're not sure, she broke the flask of ointment over him and she anointed his feet with that precious oil that would have been one to two years salary. And people were going, why didn't you just wait and give that to the poor? And he said, the poor you have always with you, but me you have right now. And what she's done is worship, and it will be spoken on from now on. And so it's just a neat deal because he's talked about the talents and you see the extravagant opportunity. Then he shows an extravagant gift of worship being given right after that. I don't think that's by coincidence. Now we come to Luke chapter 19 and then this particular instance, what's going on in Luke chapter 19 before it was the talents, which was a large amount of money. But now he's going to say, I'm giving everybody an equal amount. I'm giving everybody, basically I'm giving everybody an opportunity. And so it's the parable of uh, the minas, and the parable of the of the minas. And so he's got uh, he's going to give each one a mina, and then he's going to encourage them to go and use it. So let's go to our text and the book of Luke chapter 19, beginning with the 11th verse. And they heard these things and he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. In other words, many of the people who were following thought, okay, he's going to go in and take charge and take control. But that's not the kind of kingdom God, Jesus was talking about. He was bringing salvation. He was bringing a release from spiritual bondage. And he said, therefore, let me give you an example. A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Now, what's interesting about this parable is the Jews who were attuned would have thought, you know what, this is a whole lot like what's happened to us historically. Historically, we had this guy named King Herod who was on the scene from about 34, 35 BC uh, up until a little bit after Christ was born and uh, he was ruthless, he was, he was crude, he worked on behalf or under the authority of the Roman government, and it was never a good thing. Matter of fact, under him, that's where all the, ba- the, the boy, male babies in Bethlehem were killed. He was just an awful dude. Well, now he's died, and now uh, his son, he's got two sons, Antipas and Archelaus, and Archelaus wants to be uh, the king over this particular area of Judea, and so he goes to Rome. He goes to Rome. He goes to a foreign country, and he pleads his case because under Rome, they had to appoint you, not not just because his father was Herod. You had to be appointed. They had to select you, so he goes and makes the case that he should be the king. At the same time, the Jews have had such a terrible time with Herod. They decide this. They go 50 of their delegates, 50 of their leaders go, and they go to Rome, and they say, we do not want Uh, herod over us we certainly don't want archelaus we've suffered enough and we're we're afraid there's going to be a revolt if you put him in there do not do that we will try to help keep peace but if you put this guy in it's going to be bad do not put him on so we are begging you do not put uh, herod archelaus over us but you know what happens the roman government does it anyway and, and then when Archelaus comes back and he finds, out, he finds out about those 50, he had entrusted some people to lead while he was gone, he has those 50 men killed. Now, that story would have been fresh in their minds. And Jesus is telling this story about a certain royalty nobleman who went to a far country, i.e. Rome. And again, this is meant to be a parallel, not the same thing. He's, he's arresting attention to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. That's exactly what Archelaus did. Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minas and said to them, engage in business till I come. All right, I'm going to give you a responsibility while I'm gone. And I want you to keep the economy going. I want you to fund the kingdom. I want you to keep things rolling. And so in verse 14, the Bible tells us, but his citizens hated him and and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this guy to reign over us. What did the Jews do? They sent a delegation and said, we don't want this guy ruling over us parallel with Jesus. As Jesus comes in the kingdom, many of them said, this is not the kind of king that we want. This is not what we were looking for. And they turn against him. The Bible says, and when he returned, he received the kingdom. He ordered these servants to whom he had given money to be called to him, that he might know what they gained by doing business. The first came before him and said, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas. And he said to him, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in very little. You shall have authority over 10 cities. Now, I've always found that passage interesting. He didn't say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You got some I'm going to give you some more cash to work with. That's not what he said. He said, I'm going to give you more responsibility, more opportunity. That's what I'm going to do. It's interesting because when I think about this one, and I, I think about this, I, I think about my childhood impressions of heaven, you know, that I used to see in comics or on TV or whatever. And, and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't really excited about heaven back then I, at all because I was thinking, so you're, you're going to get like a mansion over the hilltop by yourself and you get a harp and you just sing? Is that, not, is that the kind of way this thing works? There's no TV, there's no sports or anything. I'm just just thinking, I don't, I don't know that I want to do that. But that's not a biblical understanding. That's the commercialized version. What's interesting, he says this. He said, I'm going to give you more responsibility. More responsibility. Well, what does that mean? Hey, we all have jobs. And sometimes in our jobs, there are times that we just can't stand it or it's hard. Or we think, I wish I could do something else or I just don't want to go in today. That's the curse of the fall. But at our best, there are moments in our jobs where we feel like we're making a difference. We're making an impact, like it's growing, and like we're, we're really pouring into it, and, it's, and it feels good. And if your job particularly, you know, hey, this is helping someone, there's, there's a feeling of encouragement, of fulfillment that comes. You know what he's saying here? He goes, let me help you understand heaven. He said, the more faithful you've been here, the more responsibility in the most positive sense you're going to have. You know that? that feeling you have when you do something that makes a difference, I want to give you more of that opportunity. I want you to feel it. I want you to know it. And you can know it by the way that you invest here with your time and your talents and your resources. I've shared this before, but here's a better way to think about heaven. And here's a better way to understand it. You know, when I was in college, um, I had to take a, a, some type of art class. And so I took music appreciation. I remember my dad saying, son, I want you to go take a music appreciation class because your mother's a, a music major. She has a degree in music and you can't even read it. So I want, you to go take a, I want you to go take that class. I said, okay, I'll take this. And so it's music appreciation. So we get in there and I find out it's all classical music. And my mother had classical albums and stuff and I never paid any attention just thinking, oh, God, don't, you don't have Hank Williams Jr. or something? This is music appreciation. I mean, what, what's going on here? And so... I'm in this class, and so we start learning all the great composers, and we learn about uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, and we learn about uh, Ludwig van Beethoven, and we learn about Brahms and Chopin and all these different guys, and then we listen to their music, and and the, the professor starts pointing out uh, certain aspects and here's certain instruments and feel, feel it as it builds. And then here's the crescendo. And, and he starts pointing all these things out. And I start listening. He goes, just close your eyes and listen. So I, I kid you not, for about 45, 50 minutes of the class, we just listen. And after about the fourth or fifth class, I start, man, I'm kind of getting a taste for this. And there's this one particular guy uh, that really his name was uh, Peter Ilyich Shavosky. Uh, Some of you may know him. And as I would listen to his music, I mean, it just really kind of kind of fed my soul kind of deal. And, uh, you know, he did several pieces you'd be familiar with, The Nutcracker. And uh, he did um, The Waltz Through Flowers, my favorite, 1812 Overture anyway. He did a lot of stuff, wrote a lot of stuff. He was a, a what was it, a 19th century uh, musician from Russia. But as I began to listen to more of his stuff, man, it, I just really, really began to enjoy it. And now when I hear that music... Like, I go, oh, man, it kind of brings a, a smile to my face. Where before, it was like elevator music. I'm thinking, why do they play this junk? Now, why did that happen? I'll tell you why it happened. Because I began to listen and invest in it. And next thing you know, I bought a Shavosky album, you know, and I'm thinking, who, th- who would know? And, and I, I start listening because I start investing in it. I start listening to it. I start having to learn it. And all of a sudden, I have a greater appreciation. That's exactly what's going to happen in heaven for the believer. For the believer who's invested his time and his resources, his efforts, and his prayers in the kingdom, how much richer are we going to experience heaven for eternity? Because we have a deeper sense. Some of you who've suffered much, how God's going to redeem it, how much richer it's going to to be some of you who've lost loved ones who've gone on to be how much richer it's going to be that's a picture of what's transpiring and the bible continues here and he says and the second came lord you gave your minas had become five. And then he said, he went to the five, I've given you five cities, just like the other had 10 cities. Then another came and said, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept and laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man and you take what you did not deposit and you reap where you did not sow. Now that's an interesting phrase too. And we don't have time to get way into it. But I think it's a picture of when Christ comes again, he's going to redeem all things. Things that Satan meant for evil, God is going to redeem them and use them for his glory. He ultimately will redeem all things. And he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you put my money, why didn't you put my money in the bank and at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. He goes, at least, why didn't you put it in the bank and make a little money? Why didn't you give me a little extra? You could have done that with no effort. Why didn't you use what I'd given you just to make a little bit more? Why didn't you do something? Why did you just sit there and just act like it was yours? Why did you just sit there and do nothing? And he said to those who stood by, take a miner from him and give it to the one who has ten. And if we kept reading the same passage, you'd say, they would say, but Lord, he's already got 10. <laughs> he goes, that's the way it works, buddy. And, and he did not use that exact language. That's that the Ron version. Uh, but he said, to him who is faithful much, I will give more opportunity. That's why I come back to our church. God is giving us such tremendous opportunity, such an opportunity to reach this community and to make an impact in this world and to whom much is given much is required. I was so touched. I told you about the story a while ago uh, for the family that was here. Let me tell you two, two more real quick. There was um, another gentleman. Destin met with him, and I visited with him uh, by email, and he was telling the story of how when work gets hard, when work gets bad and struggling, my wife and I, we just tell ourselves, you know what? This isn't about us. This is for the kingdom. And we have some names on our screen, And one of those names was Stephen, Stephen Davis, the the, the video of the special needs child. He goes, I look at that, and then I remember I can get through this. I'm not doing this just to make money. I'm doing this to invest in the kingdom. I'm going, wow, what a heart. Uh, another guy came to me, and this was, you know, remember the Sunday I was cleaning up, and I think it's a lot later than it is, and uh, I'm over there about 2.15 or whatever it is, Whatever the real time is. And this guy comes up to me, uh, sweet guy, sweet family. And he's suffered a, a lot of loss uh, over the last few years. And uh, he tells a story. He said, You know, when I first began, I, I, I wasn't giving anything. I just didn't give, didn't believe I needed to. He said, Then over the last several years, I began to give. And he said, I want you to know what God's doing in my heart. And he goes, and I'm not, I don't want my name publicly on this, but if somebody wants to talk to me one-on-one about this, anybody that wants to talk, I would be happy to share it with them and tell them why and how God got me there. He goes, uh, God has convicted me to begin to give away half of everything that I make. I'm going, wow. Talk about extravagant giving. You know what's interesting? Before this parable, you know what the, the story is? In Matthew 19, 1 through 10, the story of Zacchaeus. And when Zacchaeus came to Christ, what did he do? He made it right paid people four times whatever he cheated from. And he said, and then all that I have from this forward, I will give half unto the Lord. Wow. I I loved what the the other gentleman said. He said, you know, I've I've given multiple times sacrificially. I've never regret what I've given or how I've served or what I've prayed. Can I tell you one day before the Lord, we will never regret. And I can tell you even here, we will never regret the opportunity God gives us to invest. And you may say, I've got one minor. That's right. So you do as God leads you to do. But what he doesn't want us to do is bury it in the ground. I want to share this. I'll close with this story because this is a, tr- a story that um, transformed, literally transformed my life and how I think. Uh, I went, and some of you have heard it before, I know. But I, uh, I I went to the Philippines after I got out of college. And I served there doing missions uh, in Davao City on Mindanao Island. And uh, it was a... Uh, It was an interesting place. It was very hot. It was not what I was thinking uh, when I signed up, but it was a great opportunity, so to speak. And I lived with this Filipino family, and it was a three-bedroom house, no air conditioning, and it's always hot there. Uh, They didn't have a shower, so we had a bucket that we had to bathe out of. And when I got there, I noticed there were all these kids there, all these people there at the house. And I thought, oh, I guess they came over to see the missionary this year. And then we got ready to go to bed, and I realized, no, they all live here. And uh, they were... (laughs) Cousins who had come in from the barrio so they could go to the school. So there were about seven in that family. And then they had like five other that would come in, uh, family family members that, from the country that wanted to, their kids needed to go to school. So they would come in and they lived with them and stayed there. I mean, one particular young man um, who was younger than me, he was probably 18 or 19 at the time. He had on this old tattered T-shirt, and he wore that T-shirt every stinking day, except on Sunday. On Sunday, he would wear this Hawaiian flower shirt, you know, like maybe the one your dad sometimes wears. Okay, so he would, he would wear this Hawaiian flower shirt, and then I'd notice Monday through Saturday he'd have on that same old T-shirt again. I was thinking, Ivan's only got two shirts. I thought, you know what, I'm going to give him another T-shirt before I leave because I'm generous like that. And so, so we go on, and uh, it comes. It's about time for me to leave, and I found this department store over there that had all these designer clothes for like two and three bucks and they were, they're all fake. Uh, you know, they were Gucci and Neiman Marcus and all Needless Markup or whatever it is and all these other, all these other types, guest jeans and, you know, all these different types of clothes that they have. And as a matter of fact, you could just take a dollar pair of jeans and, it, and you could request a label and they would sew it on there for $2 and you could have it, you know. <laughs> now it's Gucci jeans, okay? And so, I go, oh, this is great. So I'm buying, I've got like $30, and I just buy like this plethora of all these fake clothes, and I'm stuffing them in my suitcase, but I can't get them in there. If they won't fit. And I go, God, what am I going to do? You know what I do? I'll give my old clothes away. I'll give my old clothes to my family. So I take all the old clothes out, and I stuff all my designer fake clothes in there. All right, all right now I'm giving away. So I go, and I start giving away, and to Ivan, I give him two of my old T-shirts, and I thought, that would be nice now. He'll have three t shirts. And I'm um, so proud of myself for being so giving so that I can take these fake designer clothes home. And so the next morning, so I did that that night. Next morning, I hear a knock on my door. And um, Ivan comes in. He goes, Ron, uh, I want to come see you. Thank you so much for the t shirt. I said, Oh, I'm glad to do it, Ivan. It was a blessing. Thank you. And he goes, he goes, I have something, I have a gift for you. I want to give you. And I go, Ivan, mean, you don't have to do that. And he goes, No, I want to give you a gift. And so he grabbed a plastic bag like this. He had a brown paper bag like this. And he took it and he emptied it out. And it was his best shirt. I was giving him my scraps that I couldn't even fit in my, my suitcase. And he gave me the best thing that he had. And I realized there was no time in my life that I would ever give more than he had just given. And even as a college student, and even as somebody who would go on to make $15,000 a school teacher, I was enormously wealthy compared to him. And he took the best thing he had and he gave it to me with no strings attached. And it has changed the way that I live. It changed my heart. I'm not real sure that I would be right here today I mean I'd be alive kind of thing but I don't know that'd be here. Can I tell you this that God has given the very best that he has unto us through his son Jesus. And sometimes for me I give him my scraps back. I give him the scraps of my time, the scraps of my resources when he has given his best. Can I tell you this he's given his best. And he's invested in each one of us. And we're only responsible for what he's given. But can I tell you this? You'll never outgive him. You'll never give better than he gives you. And one day it will be multiplied a hundredfold. I want us to be a 10 talent church. Don't you agree? Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunities that are before us. Thank you, God, to those who gave sacrificially in order for us to be here today for those who signed their retirement so that we could have a loan, for those who gave uh, of something that they would never have again. Thank you, God, for that opportunity. And Lord, uh, you're not calling us to do what we can't do, but to do what we can do and what you've equipped us to do, what you've blessed us to do. And so, Lord, I pray that we'd take the blessing, whatever that is, and that we would commit to use it for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for the future, Lord, as we see hundreds of special needs children coming into our church, as we see hundreds of families who don't have a place that they can go, as we see students, hundreds of them, Lord, coming into Parker Square to hear the good news of the gospel. Lord, I pray and I thank you for the opportunity to be a part of that, to say, God, you let me have an impact and that one day we'll look back and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Lord, how we all wish to hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. May it be so. In your name, we pray, dear Jesus. Amen. Amen.